Today's scripture reading comes from the Great Commission found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is God's word. You may be seated. As a former missionary, uh, Ellen and I, we love mission committees. And we are really grateful and blessed as a church congregation, a church family, to have a really great missions ministry here at MacArthur Park. We have uh, two elders, uh, Brent Washington Gilbert Fedez, that have hearts for, for missions, not just uh, in wanting to act as a, a support, but also as, as active, going into places like Honduras and South Africa to, to participate in short-term missions. Uh, we have... Uh, part of uh, the staff liaison with our mission ministry, Barry Newton, who he and his wife Sophia were missionaries about the same time Ellen and I were in Brazil. They were in Florianopolis, Brazil, serving as missionaries and spreading the good news of the kingdom. But at the heart of our mission ministry is, is a guy, a banker, and a father, a dad, a deacon in our church, who has done just a splendid, splendid job of helping us maintain uh, people in the field year-round, supported and being effective and active in spreading the gospel. I'd like to have Mark Blankenship stand. Mark, can we get you to stand for a second? And let's say thank you to everybody in the mission committee. After the, the number one priority, biblically speaking, of obeying the good news of the kingdom of God, the clearest command for us to follow is found in the text that A.D. just read for us. It is to go into all of the world and to share the good news with every creature, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded to you. And this morning we have someone who is actively involved in that, not, not in a part-time basis and really not even a full-time basis. This is something that consumes John's life and his family's life. He is uh, from Zimbabwe at the time of his Rhodesia. He is from Zimbabwe, uh, Africa. Uh, our connection with him goes all the way back to Ellen's family in the years that they were in Zimbabwe before coming back to the States. Uh, he arrived at Harding University to work on a couple of degrees, and there he met his wife Beth. They went back working in Zimbabwe during the Civil War, I believe was there during the Civil War when Rhodesia became Zimbabwe, later in South Africa, and most recently, having been so involved with World Bible School in South Africa, has become the president of WBS and is doing an unbelievable job of not just maintaining that ministry, but helping it to stay relevant and practical in the 21st century. And it's really our honor and our privilege to hear a man with this kind of experience and this kind of background come and talk to us on our Mission Sunday about the mission of God. We're going to ask John to come on up. I'm going to pray for him, and then we're going to hear him speak to us. Father, we recognize that when we turned our thoughts away from you, it brought our ruin. And we are grateful, Father, for the opportunity to turn back to you through your gospel and to find our hearts being renovated and to find our transformation as human beings. And we are grateful, Father, 
for the words that you have given us that teach us about you and of your grace and your love and your mercy and the great possibility of forgiveness in our life and the great blessing of your spirit coming to live within us. We are so grateful for John and his family and for the way that he has dedicated his life to helping people understand the great joy that comes to us because of the gospel. And we ask, Father, that as he speaks, that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear in such a way that we will join hearts and hands and, and, and efforts to share your light with every human being on this planet. And we pray this in Jesus' name. So good to be with you all today, and thank you very, very much for the invitation. Uh, I, I so much appreciated that first reading, uh, Psalm 34. If you would go back, remember that uh, passage, and go back and read it uh, yourself again and meditate on it, that is truly, truly powerful. Our lesson today is Six Alls of the Great Commission. You have the worksheet there where you can be filling in those alls. It'd be interesting to know if you could think of all the alls by yourself. All the alls. Uh, y'all. Y'all be thinking about all y'alls. And, uh, and then fill that in and, uh, as, we go, as we go along. But, but you might be thinking about how to, you know, which ones are the ones you know of already. Um, if you want to contact me, the e email address is up there. We have... Try and pull it in a little closer. Uh, you know, I have a difficulty with this thing being at the right spot. I'm just not quite used to it. There we go. Mark, I may, I may need you to, to actually bend it into the right spot there. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate those who are patient with us as we try and work these things out, especially when you have a visiting speaker. These are stormy times in our nation, and uh, there's an awful lot to distract us. Um, you can go through your day and your week completely distracted from the things that are real priorities. So today we're calling ourselves back to the basics. What is really needed? What is essential as compared with luxuries? Um, this is true, for example, in education, in business, in economics. That, um, that when it's stormy times, it's really important to get back to the basics as to what we are really about. And what we'll be looking at today is the mission statement. I'm sure this congregation has worked on uh, refining down to just a few words what we're all about, right? I'm sure your business has worked on that. Get it down to a fine, fine focus, and that's what we're on today. And that really... The most basic statement of that is the six alls of the Great Commission. And when I say Great Commission now, I'm talking about the composite Great Commission as Jesus spent his last uh, 40 days. The first one is all authority, uh, where Jesus says in Matthew 28 and verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is really important because what we're going to find out in a moment is how he's going to apply that authority jesus has lived the perfect life uh, he has he has died the perfect death to take away the sins of every person right here on earth um, 
and he has risen to live the perfect life, uh, to be able to, to never, ever die again and to give us that kind of life. And now this is at the end of that period of, of his life here on earth uh, and after his resurrection. And so the question is, as he's about to return to heaven and as he's talking uh, in his last days on earth to his disciples, what is it he's going to emphasize? How is he going to conclude? There are so many good things, and we, and, and we know those, for example, from Matthew chapter 25, which is caring for people, those in, in hospital, those in uh, prisons, uh, people who are naked and destitute, and we know that's extremely important to him. There could be other things like housing and education and relationships of the many, many good things. And by the way, our lives are filled with good things, aren't they? Of the many, many good things, where's he going to pinpoint his focus? He says, all authority has been given to me. Where is he going to focus that authority? Well, let's go to the rest of the statement. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, on the basis of that authority, go and make disciples. That is where he chooses to focus that authority in its most concise form. Of course, a true disciple will be caring for the poor, uh, visiting those in distress. Uh, and this is his emphasis throughout that 40-day period between his resurrection and his ascension. This is what he emphasizes over and over, and that, this is what we would call the composite Great Commission. In Matthew 28, we've just read, make disciples of all nations. In Mark, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Luke speaks prophetically, saying repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. John has the shortest version of it, as the Father has sent me, so I send you but tremendously graphic. The mission that the Father poured into Jesus now passes through Jesus into his disciples, and we are among those disciples. Acts says to the apostles, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. This is what Jesus kept emphasizing over and over again in that last period of his time on earth. So we know that it is the pinnacle of importance. So let's go to the second all. The first all was authority. The second all, all the world. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news. That's in Mark chapter 16. And uh, this is one of the reasons why I am involved in World Bible School. It is one way into which to reach to so many parts of the world. We literally have students in every country of the world. That does not mean every people group, but every country of the world. Uh, each year, we are now enrolling well over a million new students, and they are from virtually every country. In, in the last, say, month or so, our Internet teachers have probably dealt with at least 60 or more nations. Uh, if you go online right now, to, if you were a teacher and you went online to worldbibleschool.org, uh, you would probably find at least a dozen nations from which you could choose who you're going to teach in those particular parts. This is, the, this is the mission into all of the world, a huge, huge mission with a lot of sacrifice. We know a little bit about that because our kids have uh, gone to different parts of the world. Our, uh, our oldest son went to Papua New Guinea for about a dozen years, and um, 
our uh, daughter, our second child, is, uh, spent 12 years in Italy, now is in the country of Tanzania. They learned Italian, now they've learned Swahili, and, uh, and they're very active there. Uh, our, our, the grandchild represented here is in Angola, in Africa. It's a Portuguese-speaking part of Africa. Uh, very little mission work done there because of a civil war that lasted for about 40 years. And when peace came, our son, Danny, and his wife, Katie, said, we are going. Uh, and uh, so they're part of that first team ever into Angola, West Africa. Why would we let our grandkids go? I mean, they are so precious, and we would love to have them in our arms and to watch them as they grow up, and we have years and years without them. The Aperture has experienced that. Many of us have experienced that. Why would we do it? Why would we make those sacrifices? Well, it's because of this command that we are to go into all the world. Now, that raises a question. There's a lot of world out there, isn't there? And there's a lot of San Antonio right here. There's generations of work to be done right here in San Antonio. Why in the world would we send somebody somewhere else? Right? And so that is the question that faces uh, missions committees, congregations like this one. Do we turn inward or do we turn, do we turn outward? What does God want us to do? Uh, and so what we're going to do is have a business meeting. Okay? Um, but this is not a human business meeting. This is a divine business meeting. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit how he votes in terms of whether we turn inwards or whether we turn outwards, whether we focus right here at home or whether we invest elsewhere. And so let, let's see how the Holy Spirit votes. Of course, the voting record of the Holy Spirit is the book of Acts. Right. And you can do exactly what I did. You can just uh, take a concordance and, uh, you know, the electronic kind or the paper kind, and you can go through and just find every instance in Acts where it mentions Holy Spirit or Spirit or Spirit of Jesus and just find out what he's doing about whether we're turning inwards or turning outwards, what he's voting for in our business meeting, okay? So let's look at the first one. Um, uh, the Holy Spirit voted for all nations when the... Uh, the uh, uh, folks, when the first gospel sermon was preached in, on Pe the day of Pentecost, God had so arranged it that God-fearing Jews were there from all of the nations under heaven, where they were Jews, obviously. So there's already a sense there of the broadness of it. Actually, let's go back one step to the previous one. Um, where should we turn? Okay, we're missing, uh, we're missing a slide, but that's fine. Let's go forward. Okay, one more. Um, God voted for Samaria. Now, remember who Samaria was. These are the people who traditionally would be viewed as enemies. They're neighbors, but not very friendly neighbors. And yet, we find that the gospel goes to Samaria, and the Holy Spirit puts his seal of approval on that by having the apostles come from Jerusalem, and through the laying on of their hands, the Holy Spirit is received. Next one. Uh, God votes for Africa in Acts chapter 8 as well. You have... One of their prime deacon slash evangelists who's being, been doing fantastic work in Samaria. And he's called, as he's on his way back to Jerusalem, he's called away from all of that, those multitudes of people he's been influencing. And he's told to go to one man from Africa. Now, a number of us have our heritage in Africa. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit voted for Africa? 
The Holy Spirit wanted the gospel to reach this man in Ethiopia because he was on his way home and he'd be sharing that good news there at home. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is the one who takes care of that entire event. He initiates the action with Philip. He closes the action by taking Philip away and sends the new convert on his way rejoicing. And we're not told the rest of the story, but you can be sure the Holy Spirit's active in that as well. Let's go to the next one. And that is the Spirit's vote for regional growth. The church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. Encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers. And so the Holy Spirit there is voting for the area right around the uh, in initial spark of the gospel. Next one is the Holy Spirit voting for Gentiles. You have a congregation that is very active and, uh, and growing in Antioch. And the Holy Spirit says, uh, um, actually I'm jumping ahead of myself here. Let's go back to Acts chapter 10, which is there. Uh, the Holy Spirit says to Peter that you are not to hesitate to go to these people even though they are Gentiles. And Peter says, I realize it is true that God does not show favoritism, but God accepts those in every nation who are seeking him. And the Holy Spirit came on those who heard the message confirming that they should be baptized into Christ. These are pure Gentiles, no, no Jewish uh, blood in there at all. And so this is the mission sent by the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles. Are there any Gentiles here? I think so. I think the majority of us. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit voted for you? Amen. What would you do if he hadn't? What if it had just stayed with a select few who happened to know the gospel initially? But this is the Holy Spirit voting for you. And then the, the uh, Asian Gentiles, this is now at Antioch where the church has reached into Syria. Active congregation, great teachers, and two of the best teachers are selected by whom? The Holy Spirit. And told to go out, and they went on their way, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Yes, it was true. The people were involved, laid their hands on them, helped them. Uh, but it's the Holy Spirit who initiated that, reaching out into Asian Europe. And then further along, you have the Holy Spirit turning Paul and his partners away from a certain area, which was Bithynia. The Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there. But why was that? By the way, Bithynia later did get the gospel, we find out in the book of Peter. But why would he have turned them away from going that direction? Because he was voting for Europe. Is there anybody here of European descent? There's a few. I see a few. And uh, aren't you glad they voted for Europeans? That the Holy Spirit, I should say, voted for Europeans. That's his vote as he invites them across with the Macedonian call. And so we can sum all of that up with Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 38 and 39. This promise is for you and the people you hold most dear, which is your children and all who are far off, all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call. And he's calling to people all around the world. So it's not either or. It is both and. It is near and far. You, your children, and the people elsewhere in the world. That is his vote. And so our churches uh, do it that way so that we reach out not only locally, and that is where most of us are missionaries. Uh, it is easy for you to walk across the road and talk to your neighbor. To send somebody to South America or to Africa or some other part of the world 
is more expensive. It's more difficult. There's cro uh, uh, cultures to be crossed, languages to be learned, all sorts of things that are involved in that. And that's why we have, what did we call it, purpose? That's why we have the, the, the purpose effort that's being made, so that we can fund. Now, we can do all the mission work we want at hardly any expense locally, uh, simply because you are the missionary and the folk next, next door are, are the people you could talk to. But to send people elsewhere in the world to take all of the world seriously, we must also be serious. Just think if it were turned around. Just think if Texas did not have the gospel at all and hardly any Bibles. But off in Cambodia, there was a group who had Bibles and they had, uh, were following Jesus in the New Testament way. In other words, they were New Testament Christians. What would be your hope here in Texas if they just sat on the gospel for themselves? We would have no hope whatsoever. What it would take is somebody there who takes the wording of the Great Commission seriously where Jesus said, go into all the world. Now, it's not imperative there. It's as you go into all the world, as you go, go uh, make disciples of all nations. Um, but Marx is more on the imperative side, and that is go into all of the world. They'd have to take that seriously. And, the, and can you imagine the conversation in their business, in their uh, missions committee meeting? Uh, do you know that English is one of the hardest languages in the world to learn? It, it's really a mongrel language. It's a mixture. And that's why it's got so many exceptions and different rules. And so here's these Cambodians saying, we're going to have to learn this very strange language called Eng English. And they've got some very, very strange customs. They worship an egg. And they all meet in this very large um, stadium. And, and one of them throws the egg to another. And they all worship the egg as it flies through the air. All sorts of custom things that we've never heard of before. They'd have to be learning that kind of thing in order to communicate with us. Of course, hopefully they get that one right. <laughs> uh, but, but that's what it would take if it, the, the roles were reversed. That's why we take seriously uh, going into all the world. The third one is all creation. And that is from Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16. Preach the good news to all creation. And I like the way that the King James and New King James put it, to every creature, because that's the real target. That's for whom Jesus died. Each and every person, that's why it's all creation. Uh, so that they all have this opportunity to hear this good news of what's happened uh, at, at Calvary for, on their behalf. That's the reason that I was born in Africa. Uh, my mother was a single lady at the uh, 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 when she was con contemplating mission work. And she said, you know, I've heard Mark 16, 16 all my life. And I believe it, and I obeyed it. What does Mark 16, 16 say? He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Remember that one? He said, I've heard that all my life. And then I realized it's in the same breath as Mark chapter 16, verse 15, where Jesus said, go into all the world. If I obeyed, obeyed the one, then in some way I needed to try to obey the other. And so she went as a single young lady to Africa, met my father there, and, uh, and so I was born there. But she was taking the Great Commission seriously as applying to her, which it does, and we'll show, show you that in just a moment. Number four is all nations. This is the strategy that, uh, that Jesus gave us in order to have the largest possible impact on the world. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, that word to us probably means countries. How many 
countries approximately are there in the world as represented, say, by the United Nations? About 200, okay? But that's not the word Jesus used. He's not talking about political entities. He's using a word in Greek, which is uh, the Greek term there, panto, would be all, taethne, nations. And you can recognize that word, ethne, it's the plural of ethnos, which has to do with ethnic in our language. We borrowed it from Greek. So what he's saying is go to all of the people groups, all of the cultural groups in the world. Often they share the same language, and if you take them at their most basic, that's at least 2,000 people groups. Now that's a real challenge, because many of them have different languages, different cultures, and some are flat out hostile to anyone else coming in. Uh, so what an incredible uh, job. What it would take is an enormous workforce and, uh, and a powerful method. So let's look at that. That's the next one. All commands. Uh, this gives us the method and the workforce that Jesus intended for the carrying out of the Great Commission. And this is the part that's most relevant to you and to me. Uh, let's look at that. Teaching them to obey everything or all, there's your all, that I, Jesus, have commanded you. And at that point, he's preaching the, teaching the uh, apostles or commanding them, instructing them. Let's look at the method now that comes out of that passage. Uh, Jesus tells the apostles, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Well, what is the command right there in that context? Make disciples, right? Make disciples. And so every person they teach, they're to teach everything Jesus commanded, which includes go into all the world and make disciples. Does it not? Okay, it's one of the first commands. I mean, it's the command right there in the context. So let's go to the next one. So the apostles go out. They obey it. They actively take serious the Great Commission. And so they make the first set of disciples. And what do they teach them? To obey all that Christ commanded, which includes make disciples. So that first set of disciples that are made become disciple makers. Let's go to the next one. That, set, that generation goes out, reaches more people, teaches them all that Christ commanded, which includes make disciples, right? So do you see what's happening here? Jesus has built into the Great Commission its own duplication to each new generation, each new set of Christians. And so when it comes down to us, guess what we're supposed to learn? All that Christ commanded, which includes make disciples. We are to make disciples. Every disciple made should become a disciple maker. Let's go to the next one. And so we don't, that's not just theory. We see that worked out in the New Testament, that all are involved with the gifts and abilities and opportunities God gives them. A great persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem, and all were scattered, and they were the ones who were preaching the word as they went. These are ordinary members like you and me. These are people under stress because they've been driven from their homes. These are new, some of them new Christians. Who've all, all they know is the gospel, but you know what? They had to know the gospel to have become a Christian, so they know that much, right? So they're sharing what they know. And it's all of the members who are involved in that. Let's go to the uh, next one. Uh, the command to us in 1 Peter, first in 1 Peter 2, we're told that we are a holy and royal priesthood to proclaim the wonders of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We share our experience, right? And then here in chapter 3, verse 15, sorry, let's go back to 3.15. Just wanted to make that point a little bit stronger. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. 
That's written to which, which members? The elders, the preachers, the people with special training? It's a general epistle. It's written to all of the members. You be prepared. And you'll be growing in that, and you'll be uh, preparing as you go forward, but you ought to be able. Same way with Colossians, the next one. Uh, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every, every opportunity and know how to answer. It's the very same point. And written again just to the average reader of the epistle, which is, or the letter, which is a Christian. And so uh, the Hebrew writer says to his uh, audience, he says, by this time you ought to be teachers. Now, in the context, he's talking about teaching the basics, the things that took uh, to become a Christian, the most elementary things. He says, now we also need to move on to the meat as well, but you ought to be teachers. And so look at the result now. If, if members at large are involved in the Great Commission as Jesus designed it, then look at the result. Who carries out the Great Commission? Well, we've already said it, every disciple who's made becomes a disciple maker. And if, if you work out the math on that, uh, next one, if you started with a half a million dedicated disciples who are really pursuing the Great Commission as Jesus said, and if each disciple on average, some, it might take years and years to make another disciple, but if you took the average, some winning many in a particular time, some winning few, and you just average that out to one every five years duplicated, it would take just 70 years for 7 billion people to have opportunity. I'm not saying they will get converted because many don't become converted. But we're talking about the opportunity, the seed being sown. If our members are involved, the Great Commission will be fulfilled, and that's by Jesus' design. And which kind of Christianity is being perpetuated here? Well, it's all that Jesus commanded those first disciples. It's the first Christianity, the original Christianity. That's what's being perpetuated. Not our changes, not our adaptations. We don't have that authority. He's the one who has the authority, and this is his Christianity that we're seeking to follow. And then the final all. You know, this is such a huge job. And I know uh, uh, Mark at times feels overwhelmed by his part of it. I feel overwhelmed at times by my part of it. Jesus never expected us to take this kind of a commission on our own as if we were going to do it in our strength. He says in Mark chapter 28 and verse 20, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. It's by his power, by his wonderful answers to prayer, by the power of his gospel, not my eloquence, not my ability, his power. I just have to give it opportunity to work in people's lives. When I hold it back, it cannot work. When I put it out there, it can work. But he's the one who brings this wonderful harvest. And this is called the good book, right? Well, like any good book, you can flip to the back and see how it ends. In fact, you may be so excited, you may want to do that. Look at Revelation chapter 7 and uh, verse 9. A great multitude, this is John foreseeing what would happen at the end a great multitude that no one could count. And where are they from? Every ethnos. Every ethnic group. That's the same word as in the Great Commission. Every tribe, every people, every language. And they were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and their robes were washed white in the blood of the Lamb, and they're waving the branches of victory. These are people who've been won by the gospel. 
And this is the way it will be. This is prophecy that does not lie. This will be fulfilled. The question for us is quite simply, are we part of that winning team? Will we take part in being part of the winning team? Or will we sit on the side as those who are cowards and unbelievers and don't think it really can happen? If you believe, then you need to be part of the team and an active part of the team in the gifts and abilities that God gives you. And so the questions we end with, do you acknowledge Jesus as your king with all authority over every aspect of your life and the church's life? Do I hear an amen and a yes to that? Amen. Do you take seriously his commission to go to all the world, to go to all nations, not just the people who happen to be like us and they happen to be easy to communicate with, all the different kinds of people, right? So as to reach to the fullest extent possible in the influence God gives us every creature within my influence. Will you obey, obey and pass along all his commands? And will you claim the promise of his strength, which says, I am with you always, the very end of the age. Now, you may not be a disciple yet, or you may be a disciple who's not taken Jesus' commission seriously. We want to give you the opportunity to respond in such a way that the leaders of the congregation, the spiritual people, can get with you, pray together with you. If you've not yet obeyed the Great Commission, which says we're to be baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we want to give you that opportunity this morning to come into union with Christ, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and start your new life of discipleship following Jesus. If you need to respond to that invitation, please do that while we stand now and while we sing.